Welcome to this week's episode of the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, where I feature a few minutes from the most listened to investor episodes of 2021. You will hear from Patrick Walton, a two-part episode with the Senior VP of Equity, Ben Oaks, the CEO of Anchor Health Properties, and Duginsky Sobolka, the Director of Real Estate Development for Healthcare at Ryan Companies, and David Moyes, Director of Investments at Flagler Healthcare Investments. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. This is the Providers, Properties, and Performance Podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities and future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance Podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. Episode 47 constantly learning to add more value with physicians. Those are actually some of our favorite types of clients. And that's mentioning those early projects. All of our early projects were physician-sponsored and partnered with a physician. So we would bring equity to the table to the extent they needed it. But almost every time, the physicians were, were provided ownership, even if they didn't contribute equity, just because of recognition of that value that with, without their 10 or 15-year lease to kick off the project, there is no project. And likewise, even on um, acquisition work, uh, if there are entrepreneurial physician groups that would like to participate or they, they have a desire to be um, a participant and invest, I love that alignment. In this week's episode of the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, I interview Patrick Wathan, Senior Vice President at Equity, a full-service commercial real estate firm headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, with various offices nationwide and transacting in even more markets. We learn about how Equity got started, its path into the healthcare real estate asset class, and some of the philosophy behind Patrick's leadership style. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Patrick, welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance Podcast. Thank you for your time with this interview. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks for asking me to, to join you. So uh, let's start with a little background on equity. What, what is the background story behind equity and how did it start to focus on the healthcare asset class? Yeah, so um, I'm actually the second generation uh, involved in equity. So my father founded the company uh, in 1987 and um, started actually accumulating assets when he was at Ohio State University. So we're based in Columbus, Ohio still. And he and a fraternity brother borrowed some money from their parents and you know rehabbed a residential property and started started that. His vision was always commercial. So ended up rolling those assets in 1031 into commercial assets in the late 80s and starting to build that portfolio. And kind of always had a vision to be a full service commercial real estate company. So for us, that means um, everything from consulting and brokerage through development, construction, property management, asset management, and investing uh, is kind of all vertically integrated. And we started getting into healthcare actually very, very intentionally. This is one of the things where I've had an opportunity to learn a lot from my father. I think he's been very visionary, but he was reading at the time he founded the company about the generational um, 
you know, scale and the, I guess what that would represent as his generation of baby boomers were aging. So he looked at, um, and coming out of the savings and loan crisis and a challenging time for commercial real estate, he was looking for something that would be recessionary resistant and that would kind of take the company through his whole career. And uh, he, he decided that healthcare was that thing. So he actually took out a, an ad in the Columbus business uh, newspaper, you know, saying that we're partnering with physicians and doing healthcare developments. And we hadn't done a single healthcare development at that time. So that was the early nineties, which, you know, kind of fast forward to our first handful of projects were typically single practice, build the suit projects for local physicians and starting in Columbus and then throughout Ohio um, and kind of just grew from there. So that's kind of initial nutshell of origin story into uh, healthcare interest was just trying, trying to find something that would, uh, would go the distance. And that's proved to be obviously exceptionally good, um, you know, given what's happened to healthcare over the last 20 years and certainly the last 15 or 10. Well, and you guys are in a couple of different um, asset classes. So what what about healthcare? Obviously, you know, the long-term tenant returns and all of that, but what have you like learned that is particularly different investing in healthcare properties than maybe some other asset classes? Yeah. So we, we are still active in other uh, segments. So our other and a largest chunk of assets, probably 30-ish percent of the portfolio that we manage the business we do is in the retail space, which um, is primarily service and, uh, you know, service, food, not, not generally big box, junior box, hard good stuff. So we still very much like that space. Um, we've also been kind of at the, the merging point of healthcare and retail, right? As the, the, the two seem much more synonymous now, certainly than they have at any previous time. But, you know, healthcare, obviously, the long term leases are attractive. I mean, some of the stuff I, I learned very early, early on in healthcare leasing versus retail, right? It's like three and five year leases versus five, seven, 10 year, 15 year leases, depending on what you're doing. So that long term security, and then just the, the infrastructure that's invested. So, you know, kind of the story is my father would tell it is that as when we got into healthcare, it was kind of a bastard asset class because of the specialization, because of the challenge in repurposing it. But but that's also the positive that once healthcare practice makes that investment, right? You put two or three hundred dollars a square foot into a surgery center, moving that is tough, right? It's expensive to move. Um, you know, so that longevity, even if the lease term is only five or ten years for some of the tenants, the average practice still only moves once every, you know, 21, 22 years. So um, so obviously we we love that. More recently, we've really benefited from the amount of capital trying to seek healthcare assets. So, you know, we have been a, a net seller over the last probably five or six years, just because if, it, if I had a crystal ball and said that the cap rates are going to compress next year, I'd probably disagree with it, but that's probably <laughs> what will happen. Episode 39, Cultivating Innovation to Develop, Manage and Invest in Healthcare Properties. We align the right capital solution with the needs and profile of that investment. And I think that that's really served us well and really helped set us apart. Sometimes that's our great partnership with the Carlisle Group and, and other institutional private equity. Other times that's a JV with a REIT. Other times, candidly, that's a fee-for-service development opportunity. Sometimes we've had physician groups who've come to us and said that they are looking for a developer and, and they want the developer to be a part of the deal. And we've said, it actually is in your best interest, and we can help arrange this for you if you get 100% loan-to-cost financing, <laughs> depending on their historical operating performance. And we've been successful in doing that. 
In the next two weeks of episodes, I interview Ben Oaks, Chief Executive Officer of Anchor Health Properties. In this episode, Ben provides the background of the company and the story behind a couple of recent projects and what Anchor Health looks for in an opportunity and where. Next week, Ben discusses how Anchor addressed the pandemic effects with its tenants, how healthcare companies are designing future spaces with flexibility in mind, and how practices use their healthcare real estate to elevate their brands and become patient-centric. Well, Ben, welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance Podcast. Thanks for having me. I always like to start with a background on the company history and how it got started. And I know Anchor has a good history and and it transitioned from retail to medical um, some years ago. Sure. It's a great story and one that I love telling. It really starts with my career when I started in healthcare real estate in 2006. I was working for a small private developer. Uh, who's exclusively devoted to healthcare, real estate, after a stint working for a small consulting company in Charlottesville, Virginia, where I'm still based today. And for many years, it was just him and me and a part-time bookkeeper. So I literally learned all aspects of the business from the ground up. I immediately knew when I started in the business that healthcare real estate was my calling, and I loved everything about it. You know, I was a double major in finance and management in undergrad, and so I had some raw skills that could be applied to healthcare real estate, but really had to learn most things on the street. And I started out as a property manager for about 250,000 feet of medical office space, while also learning the development business with multiple medical office buildings and an ASC that I oversaw from a design and construction standpoint. And over those years, I became a certified property manager through the Institute of Real Estate Management and became a licensed real estate salesperson and then eventually a licensed principal broker in the state of Virginia. So coming from a developer background and seeing health system consolidation and physician practices being acquired as well, and this was around the time that the Affordable Care Act was getting passed, there was a lot happening in in healthcare then. I saw how the decision makers for new developments and in general real estate decisions were being made by the director of real estate or the CFO at the the corporate health system level rather than at the local hospital. And so the traditional developer model of having a strong relationship at the local level was quickly shifting to one that was being determined by operational scale. And one that I think requires demonstrated expertise across regions and being able to also provide a low cost of capital. Gone were the days at that time of 8% rent constants on non-competitive MOB developments. So the industry was changing significantly. In 2013, the developer that I worked for retired alongside a large portfolio sale to CNL Financial. And I immediately sought to start growing the business. Particularly, I was trying to build some scale in our management platform. And in 2014, I was approached by a healthcare investment bank called H2C about an opportunity to acquire Anchor Health Properties. I hadn't been looking to acquire another company, but this opportunity became more compelling as it presented an opportunity for scale within a larger geographic region. And there was a good development pipeline with it as well. 
Anchor had been in business over 30 years. Historically, it had been focused on retail. And the two co-founders, Lou Sachs and Paula Crowley, made a strategic shift in the, the industry downturn um, coming out of the savings and loan crisis in the late 80s to healthcare. And I think that that really caught on in the market region that they were operating in, in and around the, the greater Philadelphia MSA. And so they were looking to retire uh, within a, the coming years, and they needed to recap the company as part of uh, that exercise. Well, I didn't have much of a balance sheet at the time. And so I partnered with Chestnut Real Estate, who's a growing real estate private equity firm based in Chattanooga, Tennessee to help fund the acquisition of the real estate while well, I focused on acquiring the operations. And then in 2015, closed on the transaction and merged the two companies. And, and we had a healthcare real estate management business and a healthcare real estate development business. Episode 40, Cultivating Innovation to Develop, Manage and Invest in Healthcare Properties. Again, going back to how Anchor was started, by our two co-founders, they really brought a retail mindset. You know, what does the consumer want? And how can I generate foot traffic to to walk through our door? And bringing that to to healthcare means what does the patient want? (laughs) And how can I capture that patient? And how can I keep them in our system? I do think we've been seeing that change and that evolution over the last several years. And I think it's one that we'll continue to see. And if you're a provider, you want to be the, the trusted provider and the, the one-stop shop for a patient in their community. And I do think that real estate plays an important role in being part of that solution in helping to be a representation of their brand and helping to ensure that they're getting the traffic that they're after in each market. Our episode today is the second part of the interview with Ben Oaks, Chief Executive Officer of Anchor Health Properties. In this episode, Ben discusses how Anchor addressed the pandemic effects with its tenants, how healthcare companies are designing future spaces with flexibility in mind, and how practices can use their healthcare real estate to elevate their brands and become patient-centric. In last week's episode, he shared the background of Anchor Health Properties, the story behind two recent projects, and what Anchor Health looks for in an opportunity and where. done a lot with Anchor Health since you've joined them, but where do you see Anchor Health in the next three to five years? Yeah, I see us staying disciplined, working with good partners and delivering results in a partnership-like manner. Our vision is to be the best healthcare real estate firm in the country. I like and it. I love it. In order to, to <laughs> do that, we've got to innovate, innovate, innovate. Yeah. Uh, in fact, one of our core values is, is innovation. Our core values are accountability, innovation, collaboration, honesty and humility, and ownership mentality, and being relationship-focused. And so that's something that if you're a team member here at Anchor, you you hear quite often. It is a very competitive world out there in in development and investment and acquisition, as as I know my peers uh, (laughs) would would certainly attest to. And uh, I think innovation in, in this industry is critically important. Yeah. Well, I think partnering together and being a right fit for the provider 
and the a healthcare company, it, it makes a huge difference. And if it's a painful fit, it's going to always be. Uh, but if it's a good fit, it is innovative and it's an exponential partnership. I mean, it just, it, it's a success in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it's interesting in this business, uh, as I noted, it's, it's extremely competitive, but I, I think in general, if you dig a little bit deeper, it, it's funny, almost when, when we're going in and doing pitches, we all know each other <laughs> and, and generally most of us are, are pretty good friends. At the oh end yeah, of absolutely. And so that's, that, I think that's really wonderful. It sometimes well. makes my life as a broker a little difficult because I know you guys like text each other as you're competing on properties. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's right. That's absolutely right. Um, so with the pandemic, how has that affected your business lines and, you know, kind of what have you guys learned and may have changed as a result as we move through it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. So the, the pandemic certainly was a shock to the system, particularly when healthcare is recession resistant. But I don't know that any of us thought that hospitals would literally close down. They're the ones who are supposed to be treating everyone and and their income's not affected. But of course, uh, elective procedures and typical clinical visits were were canceled for a period of time, as as you recall. Yeah. Uh, For us, in terms of uh, you know, we have three verticals, development, management, and then investments. And each one was affected. But on the management side, where we're collecting rent checks, we have about 7 million square feet across the country, just healthcare. I'll, I'll give you some stats. Typically, we collect 96 to 98% of what we bill every single month, you know, during the course of a month. And that 2 to 4% is someone who's got a direct bill for something or there's a trailing cam reimbursement or there's a rent increase that wasn't picked up, et cetera. So generally the the overall delinquency rate is extremely small in in healthcare real estate. We often collect 90% of our rent by the 10th of every month and 95% of our rent by the 15th of every month. So what what happened when the pandemic hit, the collection rate fell behind by 10 to 15% on those numbers. Um, And that happened really during April and the first part of May. But by the end of May, largely most folks had caught up. And by late summer, we were really back to pre-pandemic levels. So that's what we experienced on the management side. We have folks who spent a lot of hours <laughs> uh, trying to make sure that rent checks were coming in and working with health systems and, and physician groups to manage through uh, those challenges. And I think, of course, the the uh, PPP and the CARES Act was passed, and that helped both our physician tenancy as well as health systems to um, have more confidence yeah. in catching up on, on their rent. Episode 36, Offering Healthcare a One-Stop Shop for Strategy to Construction. It's a phenomenal point. And that's really, I think, our differentiator and I think our competitive advantage of what we can offer a group. You know, and it's interesting that one CEO that we were working with, he was saying similarly, you know, we're just not used to this 
having a developer and then a design builder and an A&E all within the same company. And we're also offering as of this year, program management services as well. So really becoming that one-stop shop, which I, I think is truly unique in the marketplace. And, you know, when he first started this, he's like, won't I lose oversight? Won't I lose the ability to have transparency into the project? All of that. And it's just been a phenomenal process because he's completely done a 180 in just a short time of launching the project moving forward. And this involved both an inpatient and an outpatient project with this particular CEO. He looked at us and said, you know, this is the way of the future. He's like, I don't have to be managing multiple different contracts. There's no finger pointing. There is an ability for me to be much more connected. I interview Ann Savolka today. Ann is the Director of Real Estate Development at Ryan Companies US. Ryan Companies is still a family-owned company that started as a general contractor and has become a developer that is involved in a variety of commercial real estate industries. But our episode today focuses on Ryan's healthcare real estate services that offers large healthcare companies and hospitals a one-stop shop real estate partner to strategize, design, build, and manage a healthcare facility. They are located throughout the U.S., and Anne shares Ryan's story and outlook on the healthcare real estate market. So, Anne, welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. It's great to have you here. Awesome to be here. Thank you so much, Trisha. I'm a big fan, and you've been having some awesome episodes so far, so happy to be here. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Well, I'm so excited to interview you. Ryan Companies, it's probably the oldest company that I've interviewed to date. It has a huge history. I'm sure you could spend the whole hour going through it, but if you want to give us kind of a reader's digest of some background and the history of Ryan Companies and how it came to focus on healthcare, real estate development and construction. Yeah, happy to. Absolutely. You know, we are an 80 plus year old family owned firm. So we are still family owned, which is just really speaks to our culture. We have such a phenomenal family background. The Ryans are still involved and we have a phenomenal leadership team. And, you know, Ryan, we started out as a general contractor you know, back in the day, actually, even before that was doing lumber and some of the um, old construction things up in hitting northern Minnesota, if you believe it. So our roots go back to northern Minnesota, you know, now and today, we are a general contractor, one of the top in the country, as well as a top developer. And we specialize in a few different industry sectors. And I think that's something that's really unique to us is that we have the national scope and we have really expertise in multiple different industries. So we cover senior living, retail, industrial. Uh, we have multifamily and housing, healthcare, and then also obviously working on um, office and other, other uses as well. So we have been, you know, strong history in our Minneapolis headquarters, but now we have over 13 different office locations nationally, about 1,600 employees. So we've just had phenomenal growth over the last, especially the last 10 to 20 years. And this year we'll be at um, $3 billion in, in annual revenue. So it's just phenomenal growth. We're one of the um, top leaders, but it's a great company with really just a huge history of that family background. And we really, I love working there. That's awesome. And what does Ryan look for when it's um, attracted to a healthcare property that it wants to develop and build? I know you guys partner you know, with a lot of health systems and, and stuff like that, but what is it that attracts you to an opportunity? Yeah, you know, overall, Ryan has been doing healthcare its entire, really, the, especially the last 30 to 40 years. We've had a really high emphasis and growth pattern on our healthcare in the last 10 to 20. And we've been expanding our services and specialties to include 
all of our different services. So we not only have development and construction, we also have A&E, so complete architecture and engineering services. We also have real estate management, and then we're doing building services as well as other um, expansion there. So, you know, Ryan, when we're looking at healthcare, we're really across the board in that we do both inpatient and outpatient. And um, one thing that I think is really important, though, is that You know, our healthcare customers, I think we work to get deeper. And, you know, a lot of people say that, but we certainly work to find that trusted partnership. We have, as a company, over almost 90% of our customers are repeat customers. And that's really important to us. I think it's unique in that, you know, we're not just in it for the one-off. We're really in it for the relationship. And so when you ask something, you know, what does Ryan look for in a healthcare opportunity? You know, we're really looking for the relationship. We often like to say, you know, we're not looking to just be part of another RFP. We're really looking to make sure that we can uniquely offer a customized suite of services to our groups. And um, we've just been having a lot of success nationally. As I said, we've got multiple different regions. We've got developers focused in healthcare all over the country. And our healthcare sector at Ryan is led by Senior Vice President Mike McMahon. And he actually comes from being a healthcare exec. And that was a pretty particular choice on our on our perspective in that we needed to understand what do healthcare leaders look for in kind of the projects that they're looking for. So we actually have healthcare exec leading us. So it gives you a little bit better picture into what do we look for in a healthcare opportunity. And, um, you know, right now we've been doing healthcare. We've got customers actively in, I think, our over 18, 20 states. Proudly, we've been consistently named kind of a top 50 healthcare construction and development firm in the U.S. Episode 64, Analyzing Health Outcomes to Drive Geographic Focus. We don't just see healthcare as going to a, a hospital or an urgent care or a medical office building for your regular checkup, right? It should be a part of your life, you know, for better outcomes, for better experiences. I was reading an internal study that we did that shows how dental care, the better dental care in, in a location, the better the location does and prospers, right? So that's just one small study that I was reading and I, I, I found it captivating because I believe that we're truly moving towards a very healthy and organic way of living and healthcare is going to be a huge factor of it. Healthcare as a real estate component is still very new, right? Compared to multifamily, compared to industrial, compared to office buildings, but people are catching on really quickly. So I wouldn't say it's early in the game, but it definitely has a lot of room to shift And it definitely has what I see as a lot of surprises in the future. In today's episode of the Providers, Properties and Performance podcast, I am joined by David Moyes, Director of Investment at Flagler Healthcare Investments, which is a healthcare investment firm based out of Miami, Florida. And he shares how Flagler uses a very data-driven approach to investing in healthcare real estate where they actually analyze the health outcomes of a population and then focus on real estate to support the healthcare industry in that location. So I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did. And thank you for joining. So David, welcome to the Providers, Properties and Performance Podcast. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. So David, what's the background story behind Flagler Healthcare Investments and its decision to focus solely on the healthcare real estate asset class in 2010? So Flagler has a long history of being in real estate since 1995, we were really focusing in the early 2000s on office buildings and data centers, and then shifted after the crisis of 2008 
to healthcare starting in 2010. From then on, 2010 to 2018, I would say that we were focusing mostly just on South Florida, getting our feet wet with uh, smaller developments and MOBs. As uh, then to now, we're about a billion dollars of assets under management and still growing. Very nice. How did you start your career focusing on the healthcare real estate asset class? So I went back to school in my early 30s to get my master's in international real estate. And then I applied for my first job, which was at Flagler. I was lucky enough to get the senior analyst position. And I've been with them for now for about four or five years. From senior analyst, I got a push to a director of investments. Here I am now. So very fortunate to have my first job in the professional world of healthcare in real estate, starting with a great firm. And what do you feel is different with regard to investing in healthcare real estate versus other things such as data centers or or any other asset class? I would say that with healthcare, you really have to focus on the providers and the operation itself, right? To see if they have excellent outcomes. The real estate is second. The providers and the health outcomes would be first, right? What we like to do a lot is keep some of the physicians in the deal so that we could experience, basically, we could experience a feel for their operation and the investment as well. And Flagler Healthcare Investments is headquartered in Miami. And you said you started focusing on investments there, but where where do you concentrate your investment focus geographically now? So we're currently now in 11 states. We are under some purchase sale agreements for about three other states. So we focus acquiring and developing nationally. We have two developments going on, two very big size developments going on, one in California and one in Philadelphia that are centers of excellence, right? One is going to focus on neuro and the other is going to be an MOB, but hopefully we get one main provider to take the whole space. It's going to be about 200,000 square feet. So we really focus nationally. We like to stick to the top 120, 150 MSAs. But something interesting that we did is that we created the health-based statistical area. We felt that the metropolitan statistical area was a little bit short and able to really see the worth of a location. So we started with the mythology of getting 3,142 counties in the United States. That's all the counties in the United States. And we created over 35 CPIs based on not just population growth and traffic patterns, but based on health outcomes as well. So our HBSA is a great tool that we use to see how the area is performing on a health factor and not just based on what I said before on traffic patterns and population growth. And by health factor, like insurance or if there's like a medical school or are all those factored in? They're more for health outcomes, right? Our data is very robust. We could basically dig in very, very deep to the county level to see what the health outcomes in. We will be able to see as well if the health outcomes are less than the U.S. average. So it's very dynamic. I would love to get our, our technology directors maybe on the show to make a live presentation. Absolutely. Um, That'd be fantastic. You know, And it's really how we go deeper into just seeing the location itself, right? You could have a fantastic location, but there's really no no need. 
as far as providing better services and outcomes. Or HBSA, you could have a, a 120 MSA that might not be as desirable to institutional investors, but the, the health outcomes and health factors could be you know, ranked in the top 95 percentile of all U.S. counties in the United States. I'm grateful for you tuning in to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with others. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.